Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, Ryan, Merry Christmas and almost happy New Year. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year to you. Did you guys have a nice Christmas? We did. Yeah, you know, with four little kids, there's a bunch of wrapping paper, boxes, toys that get played with for <clears throat> seven minutes and then they get forgotten. And yeah. we, we do it every year anyways. It's like we're... Uh, Managed chaos. Yeah, we're just, we're we're insane. I don't know why we uh, do that. It was good though. They It was lesser this year. As the kids get older, there's less stuff. It's more expensive, but there's less stuff. So I appreciate that. Hmm. But it was good. You know, in the morning we... Yeah, open presents, and Caroline made some cinnamon rolls and a quiche. Nice. Yeah, and then I made some uh, Chicago-style pizza the night before, so that was good. So that's kind of our our tradition is just doing good breakfast, brunch, uh, enjoying time with the kids and family. And yeah, how about yourself? Yeah, we we like to do a big breakfast. So this is the first year we had a young child. Um, for explain, Christmas, explain my, that a little bit more. Yeah, I, I think uh, it's misleading. <laughs> yeah, uh, he, my my uh, nephew was there, so he's a year and a half. He still doesn't quite know what's going on there, but it was still cute to watch him. You know, get all these toys and. Uh, but yeah, we we kind of push off presents opening to like ten because we can't oh, yeah. breakfast because like there's no you know children just no one's dying really excited, to yeah. open anything. But uh, that's going to change with uh, Levi getting older and more kids coming into the picture. But yeah, yeah that's what we typically do. Yeah, my son woke me up at 4.30 in the morning. That's um, awful. Because he didn't know what time it was. And I'm like, <clears throat> we have like 37 clocks in the house. But, <laughs> you know, next time, buddy, um, just check the clock before you wake daddy up. <laughs> I'm like, dude, it's 4.30. You, you still got three more hours. Oh, so, my gosh. So he played with Legos, and he was very he was very patient while being very um, antsy. But so yeah. anyway. Is that Theo? <clears throat> no, that was Oliver, actually. What? My, my nine-year-old. Yeah, he. I guess the clock in his room, he unplugged it to plug in something else and never plug ah. back in. So um, it was not on. Wow. So, hey, you know what? It was all good. All good. Well, anyway, my name is Zach Albanese. I am a certified financial planner. I've been with Richard Young Associates for almost three years now and in the industry for a little over four. Nice. Yeah, I didn't realize. So you're almost hitting how, three years here, you said? Yeah, started February 21. Man, that's I awesome. Know. Yeah. Time and flies. I'm Ryan Borders. I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey SmartVestor Pro. Yeah, we're up here um, exclusively every week on Fridays, uh, Friday afternoon, sometimes late Friday morning. You can you can get the show depending on when it l- uploads. Uh, but a- anywhere, you know, whether it's Spotify um, or wherever you listen to podcasts, you know, uh, the, the Apple app or whatever app you prefer, you can find us at MoneyMD. Um, and you can really, you can go to the website too, moneymd.net, uh, every Friday to listen to us anywhere in the world. And really we encourage you to check out old shows too. We, we cover a variety of topics and it's just a good resource for you to tune in, to hear what's going on in the world and what we think is, is important. So we're going to dig in. We're going to get into a little bit here. We're going to start off with the financial fact of the week. Yeah, so let's talk about the workforce. So here's some data. Okay. Um, you know, over the last 20 years, the employment rate for college-educated mothers of young children has jumped 10 percentage points. And this is according to uh, the new working paper by Wharton researchers, so the Wharton School Business. 
However, the paper notes that moms without higher ed degrees haven't seen the same uptick in employment, in part because jobs that don't require those credentials are often mm. less flexible. Interesting. So that's just really interesting data on mothers in the workforce. Yeah. As you said before the, the show, you know, the workforce is so mother right now. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's what it. That's what the article said. Too. Oh, okay. You're I just, didn't make it up. Gotcha. I should have known. I should have known. <laughs> All right. Well, we got an interesting show. What are we going to get into here? We got Ryan. You you got our first article to discuss. Um, it says, "What's the title of that one?" Your four hundred one k is up, but you know, don't let it go to your head. So, really, we're going to kind of dive into you know a lot of times when things are going well, people start you know looking at their four hundred one k a lot, and there's a lot of pitfalls that you want to be careful about. So, we'll dive right in. Good, good. Yeah, and then we're we're going to talk about six essential money questions sure to start a conversation. So, Ooh. it's the holidays. You're around family and friends a lot. How can you talk about money? The scariest topic to talk about in the whole world. How can you talk about it? In a way that that's natural, that's um, yeah. you know relatable, and it doesn't it doesn't kind of scare people away. So I think it's important, especially spending a lot of time around people, uh, people you love. You should be talking about important things around people you love. So yeah. anyway, um, I think that's a good article, uh, and that one's from uh, the New York Times. So Ryan, let's get into yours, and then we'll uh, have some conversation. Yeah. So this comes from the Wall Street Journal. Um, and so I just thought it was really interesting and, and wanted to go over it with everybody, especially as we come to the close of the year. So, you know, checking your 401k and other accounts has now become the feel-good move of the end of the year, right? I mean, feels pretty good to be looking at your accounts these days. Yes. After the last few weeks, uh, you know, stock market rally, it now feels safe to peek at your 401k balance again. And that is a relief for millions of people whose retirement accounts are still recovering from the bruising they took last year in 2022. You know, the S&P 500, that's a reminder, was down over 18%. Uh, so, yeah, people are excited to kind of see, you know, better numbers this year. So, a couple other things here. Vanguard's 2030 target date fund, which geared to people retiring around that year, is up about, you know, just a little over 14% in 2023. And according uh, to fa- and that's according to FactSet. And then 20, the 2060 fund, which has a longer time horizon, uh, you know, there's more stocks in there. Just to uh, give you an idea, the farther out, the mm-hmm. more stocks are going to be in that. It's up about 18%. You know, those funds were down, collect, you know, 18%, and the other was 19% in, in 2022. So a lot, a big difference um, oh, from yeah. a year ago, uh, totally different narrative. So people are looking again. So, you know, the main thing is, hey, don't let your self-worth balloon along with your net worth. So the overconfidence that comes with making big gains can cause people to take bigger risks with their investments. So with the S&P 500 up more than 20%, you don't have to be that smart to have made a lot of money this year. Um, so you just got to be careful about that. Um, you know, and there's a lot of things to look at here. So, you know, neuroscience backs up the idea that overconfidence be, of being a problem uh, increases in dopamine, okay, a brain chemical that likely gets released when when you see large returns in your account can lead to more financial risk taking. Um, so you just got to be careful. That's the main thing we're going to talk about today. So you can still celebrate a little, but you got to be very careful when, when things are going well and letting overconfidence take over. Um, some retirement savers have cheered the performance of the 401ks on social media, knowing they look forward to hopefully getting to spend that money in the coming decades. And you know, the federal reserves forecast last week of uh, three rate cuts this a couple weeks back. Uh, in 2024 had an instant impact on the year's returns. 
all three major stock indexes rose. You know, the Dow Jones, um, you know, that hit, you know, had a day up that was 512 points um, at a record close. So a lot of good things have happened in the year. Counts are looking really good, but you just got to be careful with the overconfidence. Yeah, yeah. And I found this interesting, Ryan, that the average 401k balance at Fidelity um, Investments was about $107,000 at the end of September um, per, you know, that's the latest data from the firm. The marks, um, well, that, that marks then a, an 11% year-over-year increase even before this fourth quarter market rally. Um, and so a, one, a professor at Cornell, um, she, she said it like this. She said, what's important is for most people to not get attached to that number and feel like that's mine, it belongs to me. The more you feel that ownership, the more painful it is if it falls again later. I like that that insight. Yeah. You know, it, just because it's a number at some point, you feel like it's yours. Um, and if you say, well, if it goes below that, I'm going to be upset. That's just that's just not how investing works. You can't be attached to a number. Um, you have to really look at the long term of it. And so one of the um, kind of advice points of this read from the Wall Street Journal is to don't stare. You know, if you constantly log into your retirement account, whether it's up or down, it can just be emotionally taxing. And really, it can be harmful to your net worth because you can make rash decisions. Um, behavioral economic and economist, man, you yeah. know what? Just killing me this morning. Sorry, right, man. Economists <laughs> is what I want to say. Behavioral economists find that investors with long-term horizons who follow the market more closely had lower returns, likely because observing market volatility made them scared of, of stocks. And so just be careful. Don't stare. Um, you, it's fine to check it. Just know yourself a little bit on that. And uh, so I think it's a good point. Yeah. So let's talk about some of the dangers we see in our profession. This article points out, you know, when stocks are up, you know, it's a lot of people start just to assume, hey, they're only going to keep climbing. That's when people that are sitting on cash start to do things like, hey, now I'm going to invest because we've seen a lot of yeah. growth. Uh, you know, they're buying high, uh, which obviously what we've seen historically, the you know, the best thing people could do is buy low, um, you know, when it is down, putting more money in. And what we're seeing is a lot of times we see the opposite. And so people are, are quite disappointed when you do see more volatility later on uh, because you kind of tried to time the market. And so it's just very, very dangerous. But obviously our natural instincts are, oh, it's really good right now. Now let's start investing. Now let's put the money in. And then you kind of assume that it's going to keep going up. And then you're disappointed when we do see, you know, a down month, a down quarter, or even a year. Yeah, you know, and keep your 2023 gains uh, in perspective, because people often overestimate how long a nest egg can last. Uh, really, and that's in part because we are more used to thinking of our income and expenses on the scale of a month than a lump together, lump sum over decades. Um, and so, yeah, just ha have that perspective um, that's why it's important. And as we do retirement planning, we really break it down for you. But, but it's important to not um, just get excited and make rash decisions because you had a good year in the market. Yeah, exactly. So a quote in the article here is, one danger in looking at the lump sum as it's gotten bigger is the perception that it may afford more adequacy, satisfaction, and purchasing power in retirement than it actually will. So you got to be careful about that as well. That's why we talk about looking at your plan, making sure you understand things like cost of living adjustments, inflation, making sure you have that set. Um, so we're going to close with an action plan. You know, if you're currently paying more attention to your retirement savings than you otherwise would, now is a good time to do some upkeep on your accounts. Okay, so 
you know, a few things you can look at is make sure that the level of risk in your portfolio matches your life stage. This is very important. Um, you know, you can also buying or selling uh, holdings to rebalance your allocation based on your investment investing plan and seeing if you can afford, you know, to bump up the amount you're contributing um, with each paycheck. It's a good time to think through that at the end of the year at any time. Um, you know, and then looking into your Roth 401k, which grows tax-free. We talk a lot about Roth on the show, uh, making sure maybe, hey, maybe it makes sense for you to be doing more Roth in that 401k. Um, and so just looking at things like that, looking to make sure you're rebalancing, making sure you're taking the right amount of risk for your life stage. Um, you know, looking at Roth within the 401k and just look at other things, expense ratios of the funds you're looking at, make sure you're just not paying too high fees within the 401k. You know, it's a good thing to do at the end of the year and at the beginning of the year. And I would say do that every year, regardless yeah. of where markets are. Right. It's a good practice. Um, just a good practice. Um, you don't need to look at it all the time, but it's always good to at least review it once a year. So, yeah, I thought that was a good article. Yes. Good article from the Wall Street Journal. Thank you, Ryan. And that brings us to the question of the week. I'll go ahead and I'll ask this question, Ryan. Sometimes we get this. Actually, we do get this a lot more frequently now, um, yeah. just because markets have been good. And maybe that gives... Um, alludes to our answer but here's the question it says when should somebody consider making their allocation more conservative yeah it's a great question and we do get that a lot um you know there's a couple things we just talked about it you know within this last article it's yeah what's your time horizon so if we're getting closer to retirement yeah you need to revisit your allocation and making sure you're not taking too much risk um but also not just the time horizon planning aspect you also need to look at just your risk tolerance Sure. Did 2022 make you really, really nervous? Were you, yeah. uh, you know, were you able to ride out that volatility? And if it kept you up at night, then that's another reason to kind of reconsider being more conservative now that we've seen uh, yeah. in the markets. And I know for for some clients, and depending on, again, your risk level and your tolerance, uh, people who do want to go more conservative because maybe they are into retirement, but last year we were in a bear market, we often encourage people, let's let's wait till markets recover and then let's make that decision. And sometimes you want to make a rash decision in the middle of a bear market, a downturn. Yeah. You want to quickly say, ah, give me more conservative. And that really is the wrong time. You want to go more conservative when things have recovered and things are actually pretty calm. And yeah. you want to say, hey, I am retired. I think going more conservative is better. And and I think at that point, that would be a good decision because you're not selling while markets are down, which would be detrimental because then it would take Correct. much longer to recover. Yeah. So always make these decisions in a healthy market, not in a volatile bear market because, uh, yeah, it can just really cripple you. And it's just a reminder why it's important to review your plan, you know, at the end of the year, beginning of the year, uh, to make sure, hey, am I, you know, conservative enough due to my time horizon? Um, Yeah. Yeah. One thing, uh, this is an anecdote, if I may bring in a dad anecdote with our kids when it comes to playing instruments or sports and, you know, they have a bad day and they say, I want to quit or I don't want to do that again. Uh, I don't know where I heard this from, but I like it. Um, the thing we've been saying is quit. You can choose to quit after a good day. Yeah, that's like a good that. one. Yeah, like after you scored three goals, do you want to quit still or do you want to keep playing? And most of the time, it's not I want to keep at it. You can't choose to quit after a bad day. Yeah. And so similarly, I think in the market, you, you can't, don't change your allocation don't make swift adjustments in a bad market. Wait for a good day. Wait for good times. And if you truly want to go more conservative, then I think you're, you're in the right mind to do so. So anyway, uh, good question, Ryan. Yeah. Good question. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to our 
next read, this one is from the New York Times. It's actually from a few years ago, but it's around this time um, of year, the holidays. And so it's the six, six essential money questions, sure, to start a conversation. So Ryan, with Christmas behind, New Year's approaching, uh, it really is the perfect time to, to have good conversations with friends and family and loved ones. And, and sometimes, Ryan, talking about money is hard, or, you know, really, or maybe all the time talking about money is hard. But I don't think it should be. Why do you uh, think it is hard? I think it's hard because it is, uh, we don't want to be judged for our money decisions. Yeah. We don't want to be judged for our, um, whether it's savings habits or spending habits or uh, or whatnot. And, and I think there's a lot of comparison that can happen there for sure. Um, but I do think, especially around loved ones and friends, and not that you need to brag or boast, but it's definitely a, a skill that needs to be practiced because because if you can talk about the hard things with people around you that matter, that lessens barriers to a deeper friendship, yeah. deeper relationship. And so if money doesn't have this, this uh, and I guess like thick cloud of, of like distance from you and, and your loved ones, then you actually can get to talking about things that matter more quickly. So anyway, I think that's why it matters. Yeah. Um, and so here are six real essential critical money questions to help you start a conversation. Uh, and actually, before we get into the questions, Ryan, <clears throat> I spent many years working with uh, students uh, at, at Dartmouth College. So I, I asked, my job was basically asking, figuring out how to ask good questions. And so for me, there are a few rules when asking good questions. And the first one it has to be an open, open-ended open question. You're not going to start a conversation on a yes or no yeah. answer. And the other thing is ask questions that tug at the heart a little bit. It helps if you rephrase the question a little bit, maybe differently than you might typically hear something so that it gets someone thinking differently and not just kind of generating an auto canned response. Um, so also I think it just, yeah, it just helps with ver variety and variability yeah. of, the, of the response. So, um, so one of the best results of a good question is people truly opening up, revealing the thoughts and emotions behind whatever the context of your question is. So anyway, here are six questions. I, I rephrase them a little bit, uh, but for the most part, it's pretty, pretty much from from the uh, New York Times article. Yeah. So the first question is this. <clears throat> Actually, you can you can yeah, ask first. I'll question. start. Yeah. <laughs> so, what lessons about money did you learn from your parents? So this is a good question. You know, it extends uh, the depth of the question by bringing in one's parents. It makes the question less intimidating because you know because it's the parents are in focus and not necessarily a person you're talking to. That's pretty good. So. Yeah. So the feeling of embarrassment is lessened, but some good follow-up thoughts and questions to this are how, are, how were your parents as role models? Uh, what specifically did they teach you about money that has helped? What have they, how have they, you know, how have they failed you? What areas did they not help you? Um, where have you uh, deviated when it comes to how, you know, you think about money? So how are you different? So mm -hmm. yeah, I think that's a great, just question. It takes the attention off of your parents, but it brings it to the grandparents. And yeah, yeah I like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. The next question here is what does the word money conjure up for you? Hmm. And so this is a big one. I think that's, that's bound to bring in some variety based on one's background or, or social class. You know, this is also will help you get to know people better as they open up more uh, about their story. So the example in, in the article, um, was how this one uh, person's mother, she, she talked about how her, her mom was an alcoholic. 
and their food stamps ran out each month. So she had to start working at age 11. And then she eventually grew up to be this uh, successful academic. But because of that history, it took a lot of work and conversation before she was willing to spend money on things she could easily afford. You know, and maybe maybe that's your story. Maybe you have a similar story. Um, you really may be surprised to see how much one's background affects how they think about the word money. Um, other common responses when people are asked this question include uh, money makes them think of control or yeah. security, freedom, uh, reward. Sometimes it makes them think of burden. So it's a good question. You're going to get variability depending on who you ask. And I think it's a great conversation. So on to question three. Yeah. Uh, next is how many children would you like to have when you retire? What? Yeah. Why did you look at me? Because <laughs> I, I was, uh, I I was just the way you looked at, you at me. I was like, question. did I, did I not read that right? <laughs> no, no, it's good. <laughs> oh man. Uh, so when I first read this question, I didn't like it. Yeah. So that's, I thought that's why you looked at me. Yeah. Uh, but this is a good question because it helps you think of your future self instead of your present, um, you know, present stressful situation. Asking the question to a younger couple who is stressed about the financial costs of children might not give the same answer as if you put themselves in a less stressful financial environment and reconsider, you know, and reconsidered the question. So imagine uh, you've planned well, you're retired, finances are not an issue. How many children would you say you want at that point? So I feel like that was directed at me. That's what I'm trying to say. Uh, are, you, you know, are you trying to ask me a question here? It, it was in the article, to be fair. <laughs> I am not, I am not uh, as the young folks say, subtweeting you. Subtweeting uh, yeah, I guess nine. tweet is even old, too, because yeah. it's not even called Twitter anymore. Anyway, <laughs> um, well, it wasn't directed toward you. I'm just kidding. It was directed toward people like you. <laughs> uh, so anyway, <laughs> the next question is, I, I like this one, too. I like this one. It's how do you think your children feel about that. So sometimes yeah. I think, you know, when when someone is anxious or stressed about their money, um, asking a question that helps the person view it from a different perspective, you know, in this case, a, a child's perspective, helps them think more objectively and honestly about their situation. It also helps the person think about involving their kids in money conversations. You know, Ryan, as we talked earlier, it's important to talk about money with people you love and not have the the money have this guise of like, oh, we can't, you know, we can't broach that subject. Yeah. So it's helpful to teach your kids that money is important for every decision we make. It helps them get a grasp of reality at an early age and really end up being a real teachable moment for kids, which will really help them as they get older. So I think asking the question, how do you think your children feel about that? It helps them just think about it differently and not be caught up yeah. in emotion. So I think that's a good, a good conversation. Uh, starter for depending on you know who it is but use sure. your use your discernment on that so anyway what's the next one Ryan yeah the, the next one is tell me about your financial situation when you first met so this is a great money conversation starter to have with a couple because it gets them talking about their story okay so it's always good to start at the beginning go through the story um, it can help ease the tension uh, that the word money brings to a conversation because it makes the question more about the relationship, even though it's actually, you know, helping reveal how each of the couple uh, thinks about money and their relationship with it. Uh, the example used in the article talks about how one couple recalled their first date in a Honda Civic with a busted back seat and manually controlled windows. Wow, yeah, so. Yeah. 
Um, those days, right? Yeah, yeah, man. Uh, <laughs> and then even with all the hardship they've dealt with regarding money, they were asked if they'd you know, be content with where uh, they are at now with, with where they were, or you know, maybe they, they like the new life, the better yeah. financial life now. And they, and, then, um, and they both said, absolutely, uh, we're very forgetful. Uh, just so think about that, um, you know, it's some, and sometimes we need to remember the, the money trials we've been through in order to be grateful in the present. So yeah. even if things are hard, so yeah, yeah, it's, you know, it's always good to reflect back and say, Hey, where we come from, you know, I try, Sarah and I try to do that as well. You know, we've been married over eight years and, yeah. you know, come a long way from when we first started and it is good to, to look back, um, have perspective, mm-hmm. um, yeah, we were we were content back then, and it's just yeah, you're better financial situation now. So yeah, being thankful for sure. Yeah. Uh, and then the last question I think to be good to ask um, is asking about retirement. So this question is, what does the prospect of retirement look like to you? And so I think this question also will garner a variety of responses. You know, for some people, retirement is they just want financial independence. They don't want to have to work or or, or have a job to survive. Some people, retirement means traveling when they want. Um, but for some, it feels like an impossibility or when they retire, they won't be able to enjoy it. They, they don't know how to enjoy it. So this question will reveal a lot about the habits and beliefs about money from your friend or your family member, you know, that will help you ask additional uh, follow-up questions. So I think whatever you're doing this season, uh, I do think talking about money is important, especially with those you're close to. And so try out some of these questions, see where it leads you, see if they're any good um, in, a, in a real-time conversation. And so I think at the very least, what you're going to get is you're going to get to know the people around you a little bit better because, again, talking about money isn't necessarily always about money. It yeah. actually is a, is a window into their heart a little bit. So I think it will help you get to know them. They'll feel less uncomfortable and you'll, uh, yeah, you get closer with, with that person in the future. Yeah. One thing you could do is you can print them out the questions and, and bring them to a, yeah. you know, a dinner. Cause a lot of times it's, it's, it's easy to think, oh, I'm going to go to this dinner and ask all these questions and you just forget or you're in the moment and actually being intentional and bringing the questions with you and, and yeah. say, Hey, I'd like to go through some of these just to have a conversation yeah. starter. Um, because it sometimes the hardest part is just starting the conversation. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think that's a really good thing, especially around the holidays when we're spending time with family, uh, seeing loved ones, uh, yeah, just to learn yeah. more about and each just, other. You know, blame it on us, if anything. Just yeah. Like, hey, I listened to this podcast, and they said this is a good activity to do yeah. over the holidays. And I'm like, you know, then blame it on us. It's yeah, okay. it's okay. We'll take that blame. We'll be the fall guys. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, good. All right, that was, uh, yeah, six money essential money questions. Sure, to start a conversation. So uh, now we're at the prescription of the week, Ryan. The last, the last segment. What do you have, money doctor? Money doctor prescription of the week yeah. is... Avoid these estate planning mistakes. So I have three estate planning mistakes. There's a lot of estate planning mistakes, but I think these three are important to avoid. So the first one is, I think most important, is keep people in the know. So many times people want to, kind of like what we just talked about with this money article, people like to hide their, their money and money decisions. They don't talk openly with who, you know, who's going to inherit their money or... Um, yeah. They don't say, hey, this is what we're going to do with the money. It's all secret. And so when it comes time, you know, let's say it's your parents or grandparents, they, they pass away and then you're, then you're, it's revealed and then it's kind of confusing. It can yeah. be. I mean, sure, you can plan so it's not confusing, but most cases we see um, it can be confusing. And so keep people in the know. Don't, don't keep it private. Again, 
we have this belief that money and our money decisions need to be private. We can we can share those with people we love and trust, and it's good because then people know our intentions and it doesn't get um, uh, confused. And so yeah. that, that kind of leads to the next one too: is be clear, um, don't be vague in in what you want to say in, in something like your will. Um, just be clear about it. Be clear how you want your money divided up. Sometimes we get people who they think they're saying something clear and it's not. So the importance of meetings, sitting down with a planner, financial planner, the importance of sitting down and explaining it to your loved one. Just be clear with how you want your money, your assets uh, to go when, when you pass. So that's another one to avoid. And the last one um, is, is do it early. You know, plan, make an estate plan early. It's never too early. Um, we don't, you know, this isn't a surprise. I think everybody knows this, but one day you're going to die. Wait, really? Ryan, you specifically. <laughs> one day you're going to die. Uh, I will too. I will too. Uh, and so just do do the plan early and you can adjust it. It's not, you know, it can be as simple as uh, naming beneficiaries on your accounts. It could be as simple as just updating your will. Uh, just make it a plan to do it on the regular as your life changes, as you know, you have more children or you just have different relationships and the way you want your money to go. So just do it early. Have something in place because I promise you it's just it's much harder if nothing's in place or it's vague and unclear. So bring people into these conversations. It's good. Um, avoid these mistakes. And I think it'll just relieve a lot of stress for you, but but also for your your heirs. So that's really good. That's prescription, man. It's good to review all these things at the end of the year and going into the beginning of the year. I'll review your plan, review the state, just make sure everything's ready to go because 2024, here we come. Here we come. Yeah, that's right. And uh, this has been your last Money MD of 2023. Last one ever? Oh, no. 2023. Oh, 2023. Okay. Yeah, right. Don't, don't get uh, excited man. about that. Wow. Yeah. We're, we're going to trek on 2024, that's for sure. But this is the last one of 2023. Tune in next year like that to money md to hear more prescriptions for your financial health you can again earlier check out your your our, our website moneymd.net send us your questions we, we get a lot of the questions of the week from y- you folks that send them in and so we'd love to hear that you can give us a call richard young associates 706-739-0725 uh, thanks for listening this week have a great new year and we'll see you next year happy new year everybody only and should not be taken as specific investment tax or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. All hosts are representatives of Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor. 